Cheers. Cheers, baby. Welcome to the Water Cooler, baby. The Water Cooler is a show about marketing, sales, and technology. Each episode, we focus on bringing you advice that works. You can tune in live and join the conversation with hundreds of real estate agents on our Facebook page every Wednesday at 1 o'clock. If you want to catch any of the replays, you can follow us on YouTube or you can subscribe to the Water Cooler wherever you listen to your podcast. We are everywhere. Chris, today's show is the ultimate digital marketing plan for real estate agents and teams. It's an amazing show because our client, our, our our audience is going to have eight proven ideas for buyers, for sellers, for past clients today. They're going to help them increase their traffic, grow their database, generate more leads, generate more past clients and referrals. Uh, all of the things that are really, I think, uh, the result of a great marketing campaign. But uh, I think it's just for me, Chris. Well, first off, my name is Jimmy Mack, and I'm joined by Chris, my main man, Chris Smith, best-selling author of the Conversion Code. Tell um, you're rusty. I'm calling you out. Oh man, you know what? Yeah, we got to call Jimmy out for being rusty. He's been off for a month. Congrats on the baby. Welcome back. Let's uh, do this. All right, ready, Jimmy? Take there two. we go. Take two. All right, my name's Jimmy Mack, and I'm joined by Chris Smith, and we got an amazing show for you guys today. Chris, I want to set the stage first for our audience today, which is we know how important marketing is at Curator here. We are obsessed with marketing, but I want to get your take on what is it actually required to be great at marketing? Well, it takes a lot. It, it, it is, there's, there's some interesting research. A lot of folks have heard of Malcolm Gladwell. Mm -hmm. And Malcolm Gladwell has a book called Outliers where he explains how, whether it's Bill Gates or Bill Belichick or Michael Jordan or whoever it is yep. that you believe is an expert, they probably put a minimum of 10,000 hours into obtaining that expertise. Sure. And so I, I looked at some math and some studies that were done about that because the reality is jimmy that you and i and a, a curator we are experts at marketing specifically digital marketing experts mm -hmm. and what we do is we work with real estate agents and we work with some businesses that are experts at what they do yeah so callie dalton has put the ten thousand hours into real estate and chris smith has put the ten thousand hours into marketing and when you combine them Magic happens. Mm -hmm. But if you think about the simple math, I'll break this down, Jimmy. A full-time job, 40 hours a week, is 2,100 hours a year. Yeah. So if, if you're watching this today and you say, you know what? I'm going to become an expert at marketing. I'm going to learn Facebook. I'm going to learn Insta. I'm going to learn email. It would take you working full-time for five years on just that. Mm -hmm. there, there's not even 10,000 hours in one year. There's only 8,000 hours in a year. And a lot of people sleep for eight hours a day. Yeah. So it, it requires a lot. I mean, we, we live it. We breathe it. I was thinking about this, Jimmy. We're going to give people some advice on campaigns and marketing plans that work for sellers right now. Mm -hmm. We're going to give them copy they can write on social that will get them business this week. But I was just thinking about the ad I was writing on Facebook in 2009. Like I've actually been doing Facebook ad mm -hmm. copy mm -hmm. for a decade. So this stuff is new. Most people don't have the time to dedicate it. We do. So today we're going to share everything with you guys that we use to build proven marketing plans. Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. And I think it's, it's so important people understand that in today's world, you simply can't just be good at your job. 
I think it's actually a hard realization for small businesses and real estate agents to sort of embrace is the fact is that just being a great real estate, real estate agent isn't enough to stand out, to be able to attract people, to be able to grow. You've got to be great at all the things Chris just mentioned in terms of messaging and marketing and advertising and emailing, all the elements to basically get the word out there that you're really good at what you do. Because here's the reality, Chris, mm -hmm. in today's environment, uh, the consumer is under a barrage of marketing messages that are trying to put real estate agents out of business. Trying mm -hmm. to explain, you know, from a consumer perspective, Chris, the, the messaging that they are hearing, the consumers are hearing, is that agents aren't that important. Mm -hmm. That's what they're hearing from Zillow. That's what they're hearing from Redfin. That's what they're hearing from Open Door and some of these purple brick companies. So if you aren't getting the messaging out there, it's like politics, Chris. Like if you're not getting the messaging out there or your opponent is controlling the narrative, you are going to lose. So Chris, when we talk about marketing, Noah, I think it is important that people understand what happens when you get this right. Because if you start yeah. to actually develop a plan that actually helps you grow your business, what actually happens when you make this part of your routine and you get it right? Yeah, well, I'd love to know on Facebook for the audience, and maybe John can throw up a poll, but like right now, do you execute a consistent marketing plan every week? Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I would love the audience to let us know. From my experience on stage and with our customers, the answer is usually no. And then if you go a little deeper and say, does that plan include these types of people and these types of purposes, then it's really a no. Mm -hmm. But the upside of getting it right is twofold. Number one, you break the vicious cycle. I, I don't know if the audience is kind of, if they could relate to like, when you're not busy, you do more marketing. The marketing starts to work and you start getting busier. And now you've got customer service. Now you've mm -hmm. got lawn signs. Now yeah. you've got sellers that are mad at you. Yeah. And so now you're busy in the day to day and guess what gets put on the back burner? Marketing. The future. Yeah. And so you're doing marketing now and it works and then you stop and that's called a vicious cycle. I think a lot of people understand. And what happens, Jimmy, is you have months where you have a feast and months where you have a famine. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do not do consistent actions, you can't break that cycle. Yeah. So that's the first thing is a, a marketing plan that you execute weekly will eliminate those ups and downs. It'll create what's called predictable revenue. Number two, if any of these things sound like things that could help your business, a marketing plan is for you. Mm -hmm. the, the three primary goals of a digital marketing strategy are lead generation, sales, and lead nurturing. So if you're watching this today and you're going, man, I need more leads, I need better qualified leads, and I need to make more money, that's called a marketing plan. Yeah. You know, th th those are the outcomes you want. The marketing every week is what leads to those outcomes. That's why at Quicken Loans, they say money and numbers follow. They do not lead. Mm -hmm. Just like sales and leads and nurturing follow doing marketing. They're not actual things you do. H here's another one. How well, many of you guys would like to generate more business than your competitor? Well, if you have a digital marketing plan that includes a blog, Companies that use blogs have 126% more leads than companies that don't have a blog. And if you've done marketing in the past, because we're going to really focus today, Jimmy, on digital marketing. Mm -hmm. One of the cool things about digital marketing versus even traditional marketing is that content marketing generates three times more leads than traditional marketing does anyway. Yeah. And you know, I wrote the book on conversion. Why do you think it's so easy for Charlie to convert a lead in his first week? Why do you think people can join Curator and make a sale on day one? 
because we put out content. We put out consistent quality content that builds trust with our audience. And that actually creates conversion rates that are six times higher than average. Mm -hmm. So more leads, more conversions, more referrals, more brand growth. The upside of having a marketing plan is tremendous, but you know, I say all that, Jimmy, why don't people have one? You know, they don't have one, even though they know they should, but they also don't go to the gym, even though they, they know they should, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? They also don't get their oil changed, even though they know they should. <laughs> so by nature, humans put things off they know they should do. Yeah, and Eric, if you could do me a favor, if you could pull up the visual here on my side of things, I think it's important to reiterate what Chris just said there, the purpose and the goal and the core focus of a great marketing campaign. And when you do it right, it helps mm -hmm. you achieve these four things. You're able to grow your database, i.e. be able to connect with more people to sell more homes. You're able to improve your lead conversion, that thing that you really struggle with that causes you an incredible amount of pain and suffering, the thing that you hire outsource ASAs to basically do for you, you can solve that problem with better marketing. The past clients who aren't sending you business, you can solve that with a marketing plan. And the ability to actually have a brand and grow that brand on social media, you can actually solve that through marketing. And Chris, I actually want you to take just one moment if you could, I know it's not on our notes, but I well, do- Well, Jimmy, just before you say that, sure. hold that thought for me. I want, I want to think about those four things because what people tell me is I don't have time mm -hmm. to do marketing. I don't know how to do marketing. And just think of it differently. I don't have time to grow my database. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to increase my referrals. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to build my brand. I don't have time to convert leads. So it's a lot harder to say that out loud, right? Yeah, it is. Then I don't have time for marketing. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. And the last point there, growing your brand, I do think it's actually important to, to speak to this, Chris. And we got some actually results from the poll here. Uh, yeah. Right now, about more than half of the people say they actually execute a marketing plan every single week. Uh, about 35% say they actually do not. I'm seeing a lot of curator clients who are responding yes to that poll. Uh, Eric, if you can go back to the side-by-side -side for me. Chris, talk to me for one moment about that last core focus, which is your brand. Because I see clients and I see people sending emails using the exact same subject line who have a 50% open rate. And I see clients who send the same email who get like a 10% open rate. What's the difference between those two people? Them. The, their context with the recipient, right? Mm -hmm. So our buddy Steve Passanelli from Bomb Bomb has a good talk track about this. When you send a message or when you do messaging, there's, a, there's the message, which is what you just said, the email. Yeah. There's the method, right? Email, Facebook, blog. Yeah. But there's the messenger. This is the mm -hmm. one everybody wants to ignore. Mm -hmm. If the messenger sucks and doesn't have a brand and people don't know them, people don't trust them, the message and the method are less effective. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't work, but as your brand grows, as people know who the messenger is, yeah. all of a sudden the methods and the message works better. You're absolutely right. We have clients that have beautiful local brands, have never done marketing online, and their first campaign's a home run mm -hmm. because people know them, they like them, and they trust them. You, you shared a study on a past episode. The number one impact on the click-through rate in Google yeah. is if the people know the brand. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like I was looking up stuff yesterday uh, about for the show, 
and there was a list of like results for some data that I was looking for. And I actually didn't start with result number one or two mm -hmm. because HubSpot was like number seven, yeah. but I trust HubSpot. So I went straight to number seven. Yeah. So it's a good, real world example of like the brand mattered more than the placement. Well, I'm going to ask you a question about what the average agent's plan looks like, but I think if you're wondering what the value of a brand is, in the absence of a brand, the cheapest wins. It's mm -hmm. that simple. So if you don't have any preference over a brand, you're going to go with the cheapest option. And guys, they're already going after your commission as it is. If you don't have a brand, they're going to go with the cheapest option. What do you think the average agent's plan looks like right now, Chris? In reality, like just let's be real for a second. You know, a lot of people say like, oh, I, I got a marketing plan. But then if we ask them, what'd you do this past week? Well, I've been busy this week, but you know, I, I, I still do things. What, what do you think the average agent's marketing plan actually looks like? They pray. They wish, they pray, they hope, they spray and pray. Mm -hmm. They do a monthly e-newsletter. They send some handwritten notes. Mm -hmm. They put the listing in the MLS. They do a post on Facebook. They're, they're sort of doing like sporadic acts of marketing. Mm -hmm. And it, that's not a plan. That That is pushing buttons. Like I look at real estate agents' blogs and Instagram and Facebook pages for a living. They do not have a plan. Mm -hmm. they, now, I will say, and we're going to get into like the status quo versus what they should do. But I will say that where, where most agents have somewhat of a plan is when they get a listing. Mm -hmm. Okay, They have a plan. And when they keep in touch with past clients, they have a plan. Yeah. I'm not saying they have a good one. <laughs> yeah. But from my experience, if there are two places where agents do try and give it kind of that valiant effort, mm -hmm. it's with their past clients and it's when they get a listing. But I'll be honest with you, Jimmy, I think most real estate agents and people can be offended by this or they can let it really get to them. Most real estate agents online are either invisible or cheesy. I think that about 75% of this industry falls into one of those two buckets. You're either non-present or you're semi-embarrassing yourself with poor copy, poor images, no strategy, no cohesiveness. Yeah. And then I think there's that 20 to 25% of the world that is the Amy, the Judy, the Chris Lindahl, the Veronica, the curator client that is actually a world-class marketer. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's hard to judge the whole industry. But when I ask the crowd, hey, how many of you guys have a plan? How many of you have a plan that includes sellers? How many of you have a plan you're proud of? Very few hands go up, Jimmy. You know, it's funny when I hear you say that, and, and we're getting a ton of feedback right now. People are pumped about this topic because I'm seeing even questions that people are posting that are going to be things we're going to talk about here in a second. Like, yeah. I'm running out of ideas to share. How often should I do it? We'll talk about that in just one second, guys. We're going to answer all of your questions to help you develop the ultimate digital real estate marketing plan. Well, by the way, Jimmy, this is part of the reason people fail. They want to rush to what they think the real part is. Mm -hmm. They just want to say, what do I post? When do I post it? How often do I post it? And I'm just telling you guys, if you don't have a breakthrough that you go to the gym every day, if you don't have a breakthrough that exercise and diet matter, the individual menu doesn't matter. It doesn't. The it exercise doesn't. you do doesn't matter. But Jimmy, let's get into who we focus on because I do think that's where we're very different than the people watching is our plans, I feel like, take a holistic approach to the, to the world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like real estate agents' plans take a very 
micro approach to who they go after. Yeah, sure. So I think when let's start, let's set the stage here, because when we think about developing a marketing plan, a cohesive marketing plan that speaks to itself, that's connected, that accomplishes one of those four goals that we talked about, we, we first start with the audience of people that we're going after. And Chris, I'm going to have you break this down for me, but I think this is probably the first step when you start thinking about what you actually are going to post, when you're going to post it, what you're going to post, you have to take a step back and say, who am I actually targeting? So what are the different groups there? Well, the nice thing is there's really just three buckets of people mm -hmm. that you really are targeting. If you're a real estate agent, you're targeting people that might want to sell their home. We call those sellers. Yep. You're targeting people that might want to buy a home. We call those buyers. Mm -hmm. And then you're targeting your network, which would be a combination of your past clients and your sphere of influence. So there's really three groups that you go after, but that's three groups you should go after. Mm -hmm. I don't think most of the people on this call are putting out anything for sellers that's meaningful. And I don't think they're spending any time on creativity for past clients. So there's a lot of listing alerts, that ain't marketing. There's a lot of forced registration on websites, that ain't marketing. The, there is very little actual marketing for any of these three groups. And, and here's the problem. If you only go after buyers and sellers, if you don't make past clients and sphere part of your mix, your marketing is going to always kind of suck. And you're going to always look like you're desperate for business. Mm -hmm. Because here's a very simple truth that people don't want to hear, Jimmy. More than 90% of the world ain't buying or selling a house this year. Mm -hmm. And there's not anything anybody on this call could do. Rich Barton ain't changing that this year. Open door ain't changing that this year. More than 90% of the people that you get in front of are not doing a deal this year. Yeah. So unfortunately, what a lot of people do is they extinguish their interest before that time comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and we'll talk about the, a little bit of the nuance here. Because I think when you talk about those stages, you talk about sellers, past clients, buyers, you know, sellers, past clients and buyers, uh, there's actually stages within each one of those buckets that we actually go after. We ask ourselves these questions like, you know, what stage of the selling process are they currently in that we might want to market to them? So if they're early in the process, Chris, the everything else that we do afterwards changes. We don't just take a seller and say all sellers are created equal. They're not. There are sellers who are actually very interested in selling their home. This is the type of marketing that we see, Chris, that you just referred to as sort of desperation marketing. Now's yeah. a good time to sell your house. If you don't sell your house today, you're an idiot. The market's going to crash. Rates are going to go up. Like if you continue to beat that message, what you're doing is you're missing the vast majority of sellers who are going to be selling in the next eight or 12 months and that you're conditioning them to ignore you. So I think yeah. there is a little bit of a, a nuance there, Chris, where we say to ourselves, yeah, we're going to go after sellers this week, but then we're going to say, okay, what what type of seller? Yep. You know, yeah, that people that are selling soon, people that are selling later, even with the buyers, like, are we going after serious buyers or old buyers or new buyers or engaged buyers? Mm -hmm. And then even like the way that you segment. So this is an interesting stat that we pulled 65% of all revenue from email marketing comes in through segmented emails. So what happens, Jimmy, is when you only do like your monthly e-newsletter. Yeah it's sort of irrelevant to all and you're not really building any insight into your list when you do marketing every week now you don't actually have to spray and pray you can use a scalpel mm -hmm. so as an example we're not even just saying buyers that are hot 
we're saying buyers that came into our database in the last month, or we're saying buyer leads that opened last week's marketing. See, this is the beauty of having a plan mm -hmm. is that every week you're building a new list of people that are more engaged or less engaged. Yeah. So your ads become more relevant, your emails become more relevant. And you're right, like people are just too idealistic. Let me, let me say this again. Do you want to buy or sell a home? 93 to 95% of the answer is no. So just don't forget about them. Educate them. Well, we have some examples coming up. I don't yeah, we'll, want to jump in. We'll, 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 get, we'll get into that. But the, the word that I want everyone to write down, which is so critical to that first stage, Chris, of focusing on who you should actually market to is relevancy. You're asking yourself, how do I stay relevant to the audience I'm about to market? Because that's the only thing that matters. As Chris just said, if your marketing message tries to incorporate too many angles and too many types of people, it becomes irrelevant. Therefore, you get conditioned to be ignored. So Chris, how well, does- Jimmy, real quick, when we get into the buyer and seller examples in a minute, we're gonna give eight specific ideas that mm -hmm. you guys can turn in to your marketing plan for the next two months. Yeah. But what I want people to pay close attention to is how even our buyer and seller marketing is interesting to everyone. Mm -hmm. It's not only interesting if you're buying or selling right now. That's a big secret sauce that we'll point out. Very cool. So um, before we get into where you should execute your plan, how do you, because you just mentioned, hey, we got to have a seller campaign. We got to have a buyer campaign. We got to have a past client ca campaign. How do you think it's current? Like what's the status quo right now for most real estate agents who are watching right now? What does their plan consist of in terms of audience targeting? Yeah, they are definitely like probably 80 to 90% buyer mm -hmm. and maybe less than 5% seller content. Like you tell me, Jimmy, what have you seen people putting out besides us for sellers that's not what's your home worth? Yeah. Like that's all they put out. What's your home worth? What's your home worth? Home values ads stopped working. No shit, you use them for five straight fucking years. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course it stopped working because you used it too much. That's my point. You can't, you can't just right hook, right hook. People are so idealistic with their marketing. They think that they're gonna run an ad for a listing and the buyer's gonna close. Mm -hmm. They think they're gonna do the home value, they're gonna get the listing appointment. Yeah. You've gotta be diverse. So I would say the status quo right now is 90% buyer, 7% past client and sphere, 3% seller. What's ironic about that, Jim? For me, if you ask the average agent, what's the most important thing to your business, they're gonna say sellers. And past clients. And past clients, right? They're, they're gonna say, the, Jimmy, the most important thing to my business, Jimmy, is past clients and sellers. And then exactly. you look at their website, it's like, search for homes. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, and I get it. And I, we were talking about this before the show. Like, I, I'm an author. You know, you're gonna be an author very soon as well. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the book, right? Like, if you have a book, you know, that's a book. Like if all I did every day was promoted the conversion code, that would be like promoting a listing, yeah. promoting a listing, yeah. promoting a listing and think how old that would get. So I'm not promoting the book. I'm promoting the peripheral of the book. Yeah. I'm promoting the things from the book that are interesting to all. And oh yeah, because of that, people pay attention.
Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now we know who we're going to be targeting. We know how to sort of approach audiences. Again, we're thinking about buyer, seller, past client, and then we're thinking about the stage that individual is in to ensure the marketing message we're going to deliver to them is going to be relevant. Now we move on to actually where you should execute your plan. And I want you to give the audience here some advice on how we think about sort of the distribution of a marketing plan. Yeah, well, Jimmy, it's very simple. You, you and I were meeting in Boston this week. The game is simple, guys. Create, distribute, sell. Mm -hmm. That's it. Don't overthink it. Create the content, distribute it, sell to the people that are engaged with it. That's it. But like, here's what's overwhelming, Jimmy. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a rapid fire list of where everybody should be doing marketing: blog, Facebook profile, Facebook page, Instagram post. Instagram story, Twitter, LinkedIn, mass email, drip email. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now that isn't everywhere, but that's kind of everywhere consumers are going to go, whether you like it or not. Yeah. I don't care if you don't think email marketing works. People check their email every day. I don't care if you don't use LinkedIn. People do. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you don't understand Twitter and you can't figure out the freaking hashtags. Millions of people have, and a lot of people near you do. Mm -hmm. So there, there's this term that you like, Jimmy, omni-channel marketing. Like, I understand that it is incredibly difficult to be everywhere. And part of that is because the way that you put your marketing out through your Facebook profile versus a tweet versus LinkedIn is different. You might be marketing the same thing. Yeah. But the micro copy that you distribute that marketing through is incredibly different based on the destination. Mm -hmm. That would be one of the big mistakes people make. They kind of treat it like listing syndication. Mm -hmm. They do like marketing syndication. They create it once and they put the same thing everywhere. Yeah. And the reality is that that turns people off and, and they know it. So, but here's the biggest mistake people are making. And by the way, I forgot YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Mm -hmm. If you're a podcaster like us, if you're doing video marketing, you would want to add YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Yeah. Here, here's the biggest mistake right now. People are too spooky. Can you explain what I mean by that, Jimmy? Can you talk for a minute about hub and spokes versus spoke to spoke? Sure. So the basic idea here is if you live in the stream, you essentially are only capturing the consumer's attention for a brief moment. If you go on Facebook, if you go on Instagram, if you go on Twitter, what you see right now is not going to be there in one hour. So if all of your marketing campaigns have a really short shelf life, Chris, what happens is that you're only capturing people's attention in the moment. There's no, there's no sort of central source where all of the information exists. And guys, if you think about the consumer journey here for a second, where someone might discover you, as in meaning you raise awareness that you exist via the via some of these social streams like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, if someone discovers you there, when they actually get serious about researching you, they go to your website and they start digging deep. And that's where I think a lot of people, when you say people are too spoke spooky, Chris, mm -hmm. they realize that when you go to a website, if it's a, if it's a graveyard, it hasn't been updated. There's no new content. There's no information that helps me solve my problems. What you realize is that this individual really is not the best 
choice for me and they move on from that. So one of the things that we absolutely encourage every one of our clients to do is to build up that foundation. Chris, one of the best articles you wrote, geez, this may have been nearly a decade ago. You talked about the importance of growing your email list because you've actually been saying the same thing for nearly a decade, which is yeah. we've been seeing somebody. It was called weatherproof your social media. I remember that it's a decade ago yeah. yet. Yeah? And I remember weatherproof your social media. And the basic idea Chris basically pitched was build up your email list so you can basically have a list of subscribers that you can drive to your website, regardless of what the uh, you know social media of the site of the day is. This is back when yeah. like there used to be a lot of them coming out. Now, not so well, much. This is when it was really easy to get engagement and clicks and traffic from Facebook pages without mm -hmm. ads. Yeah. And what I was trying to tell people at the time was winter is coming. Like they're not going <laughs> yeah. to keep giving. Like I used to be able to just do like a Facebook post with no boost. And get oh man, the good old days. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, building that email list is the most weatherproof thing you can do. And then once you have the email list, yeah. now you can drive people back to the hub. So the hub is in the middle. That's your site. That's your blog. And then the spokes point people back when they're ready. Mm -hmm. It isn't that you're going to just only try to drive people back. We don't do that with every post or every campaign, but you're right, Jimmy. Like once somebody kind of like, once your marketing kind of works, yeah, they go to your site, they go to your about page, they well, pull up your blog. Research. Exactly. Let me, let me ask you a question on the topic of, because you touched on this and you went through it pretty quickly. And I do, I do think it's worth diving into a little deeper. You talked about, and you sort of uh, railed against the automated form of marketing that exists right now where people just basically take a listing and they sort of syndicate it everywhere it's the same message over and over again how would you approach promoting an article same article right you know you wrote an article about selling your home this summer and five mistakes to avoid how would you approach the way you promote that on your facebook profile versus your facebook business page because i think it's important people understand that distinction yeah it's it's very very clear to me jimmy it's push versus pull okay so on your Facebook page, you're not going to get that in front of very many people without an ad. Mm -hmm. And because it's an ad and because you're going to boost it, you're going to want the goal of that to be a click on a link to go to your site, whether that's to a landing page or a blog post. Yep. Think about with your Facebook profile, your Facebook profile has the most organic reach of almost anything you can do. Mm -hmm. And the way the algorithm on Facebook works is if you do put a link in a Facebook post through your profile, they're going to show it to way less of your friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example this week for our customers at Curator, because we do their marketing for them. This week at Curator, we're running an ad through our clients' pages, and it's a checklist that a seller can download. Mm -hmm. with the 11 digital marketing activities you must demand from your agent. If your agent is doing Zillow and the MLS, that is not enough. There are 11 more things they must do to get you the most exposure online. So that's an ad through a page that has a link that goes to a form yeah. to download a PDF, right? That That's more like normal marketing and ads. Mm-hmm. What did we do on the profile? Because like, do you really want to go on your Facebook profile and be like, yo mom, download this checklist, right? It's a different audience that needs a different message, but you still want your message of the week to work everywhere if possible. So through the profile this week, yeah, 
the it was a like a question like this long, a very short question. Hey, can you pull that up for me, please? I got I got a screenshot of it right now. Yeah, please. go ahead, buddy. Well, there it is. Do you use checklists to help you get things done? That, that Jimmy, this is modern marketing. Thirty-five comments, and so the concept was like. We're going to put that question out there the mm -hmm. way people are used to getting questions on Facebook. Yeah. And we're going to slide in the DM and say, hey, I'm glad I'm, I saw that you use checklists. If you do ever sell your home in the future, here's a cool one. Mm -hmm. So there's no link in the post. We're not spamming them in the comments. We're just going a little back channel. Hey, I saw that you like checklists. If you ever do sell your home, here's a checklist for that. Yep. Yeah, strategery, Jimmy. <laughs> that, that, that's it. It's strategery. The funny thing about this is then, like, and this is the one thing that I, that I just love about marketing is that when you start to take the the thing, I hope you guys are starting to understand. We're taking a single idea, and this is what Chris is saying: taking a single idea and saying, "Who is the audience we're going to go after?" And then we're saying, "What is the channel in which we're going to distribute this idea?" And then, "What is the best angle based on this channel?" So when we write for LinkedIn, we sort of button up our shirts, put our tie on, and we sort of write a more professional post because that's the environment and vibe yeah, in LinkedIn. More stats, more data, more like research. Yep. We're, we're appealing to that that right brain, I think it is, the analytical side of the brain, maybe the left brain. I'm not exactly sure, but like we're appealing to that side of it, Chris. And then we're then we're on Facebook. We're more like conversational tone. And well, then, not to mention on Twitter mm -hmm. and on Insta, yeah. we're trying to incorporate things like tagging things yeah. and hashtags which those of course wouldn't be appropriate on facebook or linkedin yeah so it's it's sort of two things it's sort of the the fundamentals of like what's appropriate on each network and then it's the length and the kind of copy angle but it, it you know back to our point we spend like countless hours per week thinking about this. So I it's a little, it's a little sad at times. But I, I hope you guys are appreciating the fact that this is why automation can't work and won't work at scale because every channel sort of requires its own little nuances. And you can start thinking through those things. And again, yeah, one, even... one last point, Jimmy, about sure. where, and yeah. I talked about the blog, because what people try to do is they try to avoid the real work. Mm -hmm. And we have learned this over time. You, you, you need to make sure that what you create is great. Like there's a stat that I pulled before the show, long form blog posts generate nine times more leads than short form blog posts. Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna really be the expert and win somebody over, like we did an amazing Game of Thrones campaign last week. We've done some really good seller marketing we're gonna share here in a second recently. But Jimmy, What's the difference between us writing it, going super deep, making it inarguably better than anything out there versus just kind of doing a couple sentences with a link? How does that go for us? The, 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 the difference is one works and one doesn't. That's it's the, that simple. It is. Like it really yeah, is. It, this is my quote, Jimmy. This quote's going viral. If you cut corners, mm -hmm. you run in circles, right? If you're always cutting corners... <laughs> You're yeah. always running in circles. And I do think that that kind of hamster wheel analogy, you know, every time you don't do the real work of writing a real article, every time you go to do your email and you don't really put the time in, every time you push your Instagram post to your tweets, mm -hmm. every corner you cut, you wonder why you're not moving forward. 
That's why. Yeah, and we're and we're going to talk about the distribution here in a second, Chris, because we talked about the audience, we talked about the angles and the places. Now we're going to talk about sort of the frequency and the distribution. But one of the things I want everyone who's watching right now live and anyone who watches the replay look up, Rand Fishkin, one of the sort of godfathers of SEO, he had this wonderful thing he used to do for Moz on uh, his like Whiteboard Fridays, I think they were called. And he talked about the flywheel concept in marketing. Mm -hmm. And the flywheel concept, basically what it means is and what it translates into is that you you want your marketing campaigns to build. So every marketing, every investment you make in your marketing campaign yields better and better results. So if you were to say, write an email and your list size is only 100 people, well, that mm -hmm. email is going to only have a certain amount of impact. Well, if your email list is 10,000 people, the same effort yields a 100x return. So this mm -hmm. is what we think about when we think about marketing, Chris. We think about marketing that builds, marketing that's connected, marketing that's sort of like we start to see how everything is sort of telling a story and there's a narrative. You can't do that if you are literally just throwing things out there in the moment because you have a little bit of free time to create something. So, Chris, this is a question that came up early. One of our, our, our longtime friends, Michelle Herndon, posted this in the, in the uh, Water Cooler channel. She said, how often should I be blogging? I want you to talk about your philosophy around frequency and distribution. Yeah, I have a very simple philosophy. It's the same as your favorite coach, Bill Belichick, no weeks off. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to blog every week, Michelle. There's mm -hmm. going to be some weeks where we cheat, kind of mm -hmm. like we cheat with our diet, right? But you're not going to take a week off of marketing yeah. because momentum is real. Like momentum matters. It is very difficult mm -hmm. to build that momentum. And man, you can lose it really quick. Like, Jimmy, what happened when we took a couple months off of marketing, my friend? People forgot we existed, Chris. That I, hurt I our mean, ego. Honestly, it did. <laughs> it's it's that true. So momentum matters. So my advice is you should be doing marketing weekly. Yeah. And when you think about the mix of you've got your past client marketing you're trying to do, seller marketing you're trying to do, buyer marketing you're trying to do, plus you've got your listings. Well, what does that look like in the course of a perfect month? Mm -hmm. You know, this is the ultimate digital marketing plan. Yeah. And so, Jimmy, here's where I think people will have a big epiphany today. Three out of every four weeks, we are focused on sellers or mm -hmm. past clients. Mm -hmm. One out of every four weeks, we go after buyers. But let me tell you why we don't go after buyers more. Because you're also going to go after buyers every time you have a listing, every time you have an open house, every time you actually have a coming soon. So the, the, it, to answer the question, Michelle, every week, we're executing real marketing, mm -hmm. whether there's a listing or not. And a lot of the marketing is past client sphere and seller focused. But we're not we're doing that balance because we know that when the listings come on, that's gonna bulk up the buyer side anyway. Yeah. And that's typically what works really well on the buy side. So we go no weeks off. Mm -hmm. We go two to three weeks every month after sellers and past clients, one to two weeks a month after buyers. And then if we do want a week off, all we do is we remove the blog, right? We, we remove the in-depth long form piece of content. Mm -hmm. And we might just use like IDX search results, which we'll talk about in a second. We might actually just do an email. Mm -hmm. uh, we When we want a week off, you guys should write this down. I see why am I? I see why am I? I see why am I? In case you missed it. Let me give you guys some breaking news. 
everybody misses everything. Mm -hmm. You said we're inundated with ads, inundated with our news feed. So like our campaign next month, yeah. uh, excuse me, next week is literally, hey, we've been doing such great marketing and putting out such great content every week that you probably missed some of it. So if you want a week off, all you do is a recap and a roll up of the other great stuff you've been doing. Yeah. Now, when you're not doing anything, there's nothing to roll up or recap. Mm -hmm. But when you're consistent, like Jimmy, we've got, like we used to do this, five articles about Facebook worth re-reading. Yeah. Like, like yeah. don't go past your content. Everybody, like here's the thing, Jimmy, once you get to what we're talking about, executing good stuff weekly, a new problem is you don't get as much out of it as you could. Mm -hmm. So that's why like a recap email occasionally, a listicle recap, plus take your fresh new content and put it into your action plans and your drip emails. Yeah. If you've like, how many people have we met, Jimmy, that their follow-up drip campaigns never change? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're putting out quality buyer stuff, quality community stuff, quality seller stuff, well, once a month, you can go back and make all your action plans better too. Yeah. And now something that normally is stale feels fresh. Yeah, it's it's actually a crazy important takeaway there, Chris, is that this idea that as you start to get into the rhythm of creating content, there's always going to be the opportunity for you to recap and regroup and re mind people that there's stuff that they may have missed and you're able to sort of double dip on the content you created and what you're going to be able to do is quite simply identify the best most popular campaigns you've run and sort of go back to the well on them over and over again especially if you're well, creating evergreen content chris not something yeah. that's happening today but like things you can well, let, let me give you one tip on non-evergreen sure because the other thing that we factor in is like what's happening in the world like on father's day week maybe you should acknowledge it's Father's Day, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Or like, are you gonna really go into the 4th of July and start talking about like why Open Door sucks? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they're like, Jimmy, do me a favor, pull up Google Trends. Sure. Because there, there's going to be what I call like holiday mm -hmm. or event-based marketing. So the one we're working on right now is for Father's Day. Do a quick search here. And this is google.com slash trends. Jimmy searching Father's Day. And then Jimmy, do me a favor, click it, click where it says the past five years. So change it to the past five years. So what Google is showing us, guys, you can zoom in a little, Jimmy. They're showing us when are people searching for Father's Day and see how it spikes literally <laughs> Poor, every year. No one gives a shit about months. dads for yeah. like <laughs> 11 and a half months of the year. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I think Mother's Day probably looks the same. But like, but here's the point. If you're going to do a Father's Day marketing campaign, mm -hmm. you don't want to do it at the peak of that spike. You want to do it as that wave starts to take off. So if you kind of hover over, Jimmy, it'll get you the granular data. Mm -hmm. You can start to see like, okay, May 10th through the 16th, people start to think about it. And then it gets into late May, right? And you can literally see like, when are the searches for the thing I want to write about peaking? One of our most read articles of all time was about where to go see Christmas lights in an area. Mm -hmm. One of our other ones was about where to go see fireworks. So when you're doing like time and date based marketing, I just wanted to point out that that might not plug into your normal, like we do it every Tuesday. You might have to adjust it based on when people are looking for it 
through Google Trends. Let me ask you a quick follow-up question there. Uh, you mentioned, and this is for the audience, just to recap, we're posting to or marketing to sellers and past clients basically two to three times a month, depending on the month, right? Uh, but at the very minimum, at least twice a month, but typically three times a month. And you mentioned we have one buyer-centric campaign. If I don't care about buyers, I'm not interested in working with buyers, I don't wanna show people houses, I don't wanna drive people around, why would we still encourage someone to have a buyer-centric post if you don't actually want to work with buyers? Well, there's a dirty little secret, Jimmy, in real estate that nobody likes to talk about. The, the best agents in the world don't always have a listing, okay? So normally, if you're a top listing agent, you actually don't need to do a lot of buyer marketing other than your listings. Mm -hmm. Like we, we work with this great company, True Blood Real Estate. I was on the phone with those guys this morning. And like that they have so many leads and so many listings that in theory, that's gonna cover their buy side marketing. Mm -hmm. But if you're watching this or listening to this right now, and there's a week that you don't have a listing, what are you gonna do for buyers? So like you need to have a fallback campaign that focuses on buyers for the times you don't have a listing to use on the buyers. The other thing is pretty simple, Jimmy, like there's not one bait that catches all the fish. Mm -hmm. So you may have a listing, but it may not be right for a lot of the buyers in the market. And so if your only listing or two doesn't have mass appeal, yeah. how are you gonna keep generating buyers? So it's, it, it's not that you necessarily have to do buyer marketing if you have a lot of listings and you market those you are but the reality is a lot of the people watching right now don't always have a listing yeah yeah and the, the other part of that too is and this is something we talk a lot about chris is this idea that sellers can masquerade as buyers oh this it, is being more true than ever so i've been looking at this deeply jimmy a lot of our clients spend big money on zillow mm -hmm. and so they'll get a zillow lead and it'll go into their curator and then that Zillow lead will start reading articles about why selling their home right now is a mistake. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you put yourself in that consumer mindset, I'm on Zillow, I see a listing, I say, contact me. And then I, I send you an email a couple of weeks later about selling and it's being a mistake and you're reading it. Yeah. So now I've identified, okay, that Zillow lead needs to sell before they buy. Yeah. So th there's a lot of benefit in doing seller focused marketing to your buyer leads. Yeah. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it actually works great. It's a super important tip. And if you can capture, you're gonna be able to capture way more buyer leads off of your listings or off of buyer-centric content. And the exactly. first question we coach our clients on to ask is, do you need to sell your home before you buy a new one? Mm -hmm. Just that simple question, whether it's in an email or in a text, when the lead comes in. Well, Jimmy, like, think about it. If your cost per buyer leads a couple bucks yeah. and your cost per seller leads a hundred bucks, you might as well go get a hundred buyer leads and find the five that need to sell and you'll still be spending less money and you'll have a lot of overflow yeah. just versus trying to get one seller lead. Like if there were thousand dollar seller leads that closed, everybody would do it because yeah. it still would get an ROI, but it's way easier to get a big volume of buyers and then through email and through text and through the phone, 
backwards qualify them as the seller. A hundred percent. And you guys heard what we said earlier, which is one of the best ways to market to a seller is to have a marketing plan centered around seller content that adds value. And the reality is the vast majority of blogs we see and the vast majority of content we see on the web is not actually seller centric. So even though you might not be able to get a lot of seller leads out of the gates, you can begin to market to those sellers once you capture them as a buyer lead with seller content. So yep. it's a really important technique, Chris, that people miss. So I'm going to recap what you said before we got cover the actual plan here. You said, number one, the Bill Belichick strategy, no weeks off, figure out a way to be consistent. Consistency sort of builds the brand, helps you attract more people. And that rhythm and that routine is so essential. You're saying two to three uh, times a month, we're doing seller content and past client content. And then one time a month, we're doing buyer content. And then we're doing listing promotions as they happen. So we're not yeah. we're not stopping our marketing plan because we have a listing. We're simply adding in a listing on top of that marketing plan. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna get into the actual content you can create to have the ultimate digital uh, marketing plan for real estate agents. Uh, we're gonna start, Chris, with listings. So I want you just to talk through how we think about listing promotions as it relates to running yeah. these marketing campaigns. Well, let, me, let me take a step back there, Jimmy. Sure. Because what we're gonna cover is what the plan should include specifically. Mm -hmm. But I wanna talk philosophically for one second first, because what the plan is never going to include if you're doing it right is 100% of stuff that works. So the, the way that I think about like, if we do four marketing campaigns a month for our clients, mm -hmm. the way that we approach that is we wanna run three that are proven and one that we're praying. Right. Because if you, if you try to go 10 for 10 or four for four, what you're never doing is you're never testing anything. Yeah. If you never guess, if you never use your gut, if you never use, a, you know, kind of, a, I hope it works. Now the problem is people do, I hope it works all the time. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm getting at is like every idea that we have figured out worked started as an idea that we weren't sure if it would. Mm -hmm. And so you, you can't be so like, I always tell people like you could be in the baseball hall of fame if you strike out seven times out of 10, mm -hmm. like you can be in the NBA hall of fame. If you miss half your shots, like, like Tom Brady, 30% of his throws are incomplete. Okay. Receiver's fault. And he's the goat. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's either the receiver or the the volume of weight in the ball <laughs> we're but past like, that the, the, <laughs> but like ultimately the goats yeah. right the greatest of all time yeah you know jordan has that great quote i missed more shots in my career than i made mm -hmm. you know and so marketing is not that different you know what i mean imagine if you're in sales sure and you're like ah oh, the first five people i talked to didn't buy pace you have to have some fun Mm -hmm. So, and that's the other thing is it's fun to try new stuff. Like, did we know that the Game of Thrones castles as listings would do really good? Kinda, you know, we, yeah. we, we kinda knew, but we're kinda hoping. And then we saw the feedback from our clients' clients saying they were genius marketers. Mm -hmm. But like, in theory, nobody would have really tried that because it was a little bit of our gut. Now, when it comes to the listings, and again, if you want the ultimate marketing plan, listings have more than one phase. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a market where you can do coming soon, yeah. you would start with that. Then you would go into just listed. 
then you would go into open house, yeah. then you would go into price reduction, and then you would go into just sold. And I'll pull up some examples for you guys so you can see this, Chris, and, and I'll, yep. I'll have you talk through this. So I'm looking right now at an Instagram post from Stephanie Lanier, and this is a what you just said, a just sold promotion. Mm -hmm. So just talk me through what we're doing, because again, this is like lots of little things here. We'll do this rapid fire style, but lots of little things here we're doing that I think are worth just pointing out quickly. Yeah, I can't read it, so I'm not going to pretend that I can. But the point is, most people only promote just listed. I got gotcha. you. Okay. We have found that coming soon yeah. and open house and price reduction, like you have to think about the kinds of buyers, right? Like a lot of people want what's new, mm -hmm. but don't a lot of people want what's on sale, Jimmy? And don't a lot of people want what they can't get yet? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we're just thinking of it a little bit more like, okay, we have an opportunity to do marketing at five or six different places mm -hmm. is the point. And sold is a great one of those places to do it. That's obviously proof. Like we, we try not to brag a lot about our success at Curator, but at the end of the day, if I don't share the accolades, mm -hmm. if I don't tell you I'm on the ink list, yep. if I don't tell you I'm an entrepreneur, if I don't tell you that we're blowing up, then I'm kind of a fraud because I need you guys to know that it's working. So if you're doing great marketing and you're saying you're so good at what you do, if you're not promoting the sale yeah. and the review, yeah. you're not completing the feedback loop for your tribe. Yeah. That's what Stephanie was doing there. Yeah, I love it. And I'll have our team actually share the uh, share some of these examples that Chris is mentioning. And you'll see some of the nuances between like on, on Instagram, we don't just drop a link because you can't click on a link. We link them over to the bio, which has a yeah. link tree. So like you guys will be able to see these things. But the big takeaway for me, Chris, is that every listing has a life cycle and every one of those moments during the life cycle, you can actually run a campaign behind. And mm -hmm. very few people actually do. So if you yeah. already have a market, if you already have a listing, there's like five promotable events that happen during that listing that you could take advantage of. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk specifically about actual campaigns we can run. And I'm gonna pull up an example and I'll try to talk through this, Chris, but I'll, mm -hmm. I'll start with the first one here, which is a buyer angle. And this mm -hmm. is, and I want you to just talk through the angle here, which is what can you get for X amount in this neighborhood? And I'll pull up the yeah. visual for you. Sure, so this is a good example of what I talked about appealing to people that aren't even necessarily buying. So we mm -hmm. have seen for years, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, see what a million dollars can buy you right now in Miami. Yep. See what a half a million dollars buys you in five different cities. So this one is like, certainly this is steering a buyer to a price range. Mm -hmm. But like, I live in Avalon Park here in Orlando. I am curious what 900,000 could get me here. I am not buying right now. So there's this natural curiosity and where we find this one works the best, Jimmy, is at some of the higher price ranges, right? Mm -hmm. What does a 900 get you? What yeah. does a million get you? What does 2 million get you? Mm -hmm. If you look at the way the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, typically the most clickbait on this one is to say, hey, would you like to see what a million bucks can buy you? Mm -hmm. And certainly that gets some dreamers, but it also gets some people that that's the price range they're looking in. So that's an easy one for people to do. See what X can buy you right now in 
Why? Yeah, and I'm hoping another example here in a second, but I think the big takeaway for me there, Chris, is that if you want to get listings above, above your average price point and you have to create content that would attract leads who are yeah. above your average price point, it's just that simple. All right, second one we're gonna point. pull up here, Chris, is the difference between X, Y, and Z. Yeah, your brother, Joey, found this great video on YouTube. We're gonna talk a little bit about where we find the proven ideas, because mm -hmm. that is a big part of the show today. But if you think about like I right now, if I were looking at, you know, a half a million dollar home, it, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't want to know what one a little less or a little more cost. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's this natural curiosity. The reason this campaign killed it is because you really don't know the price range of buyers when you promote something across a whole city. And with Facebook right now, with the Fair Housing Act and all the drama, you're targeting like geographically. So what this allows you to do is instead of trying to find a needle in a haystack, mm -hmm. you're actually giving different price ranges of buyers yeah. something interesting. But I'll be honest, you know what? I, I kept clicking, I clicked on this ad three times. I saw it in my feed, Veronica, our client here, I saw it three times and I clicked on it all three times. Which price range do you think I clicked on, Jimmy? I think you clicked on the highest one. The one above mine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because isn't that everybody's goal mm -hmm. is to kind of upward mobility? Yeah. So like my price range in her ad was really kind of the middle one. Sure. And I like looked at that one the first two times. And then the third time I'm like, you know what? We can, <laughs> we can afford the other one. Let's check the other one. Yeah. And I loved it. And, and it it is very interesting to see the difference between them. Mm -hmm. So that was a great campaign, crushed it. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of link clicks. And Jimmy, that's an example Go back to that one really quick. Sure. That's an example of like no weeks off, but kind of a week off. Mm -hmm. If you can click on one of those links uh, in the actual ad, what you guys will see here is that was not going to the blog. That went to the listing details results of that particular price range. So that just one quick example there of being able to do really cool, really beautiful, really clever marketing, yeah. but not actually having to blog. Yeah, it's a really smart. It's a really smart idea of sort of repurposing the idea. And there's actually one thing you guys should check out because uh, Chris mentioned Joe uh, came up with this idea. There's actually a, uh, a, a video company called Wistia that actually inspired us. And Wistia did an amazing campaign around this sort of same concept, which is like sort of comparing what a $1,000 video to a $10,000 video to a $100,000 video looks like. And it's just like, this is kind of what we'll talk about a little bit later, Chris, but like we get inspiration from outside of our industry 95% of the time. We find out what's working outside of our industry and then we sort of incorporate it into a real estate twist. If yeah, you will. and you know why that works? Because what works on humans works on humans. Well, you know, they're just mm. people, the internet's just people yeah so like when we saw that it was like you know we clearly we're not going to do a hundred thousand dollar video sure we probably would be more in the ten thousand dollar range mm -hmm. but it also made us think well shit if we can do a thousand dollar one that's good let's look at that option right yeah. yeah so that that sort of choose your own adventure great job by wistia great job by joey finding a, a comparable version on real estate cool so next example we have right now chris is using a listicle mm -hmm. to basically highlight in the amenity yeah, listicles, I mean, if, if, if you can either say you click on a lot of listicles or lie because the reality <laughs> is listicles work. So this is an example of 10 homes for sale in a certain price range with a certain amenity, mm -hmm. okay? So this is beautiful kitchens under 300K. 
-hmm. for the market that that person happens to be in. Now, we did this about four years ago, five years ago, Jimmy, for Heather Stevenson. Mm -hmm. There are certain amenities and certain price points in certain markets that are really sought after, okay? And what ended up happening is we ran one that said seven homes for sale with pools for under 450. Now this was in California. And I believe Heather got over 700 leads Mm -hmm. from one ad Mm -hmm. because she nailed the price and she nailed the amenity and then the creative and all the other elements. But the listicles were great. I wanna give actually credit to Lauren from our team, one of our great marketers. You know, she started figuring out that like, there are very sought after like, cause she works with clients all over the country. And so she's got clients in Atlanta telling her that she wants them to point out how great the basements are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that don't work in Miami. We ain't even got basements. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there are, whether it's a big backyard or a pool, whether it's a basement, you know what I'm saying? There are, you take an amenity, you combine it with a price range, you find a small list, seven homes, yeah. three homes, and those do great as well. Yeah. And the, the thing that's interesting to me about this is if you pull the visual back up, Eric, and this is a really important pro tip here. As I scroll down at the bottom of the post, you see that we've taken a buyer centric angle, 10 homes with beautiful kitchens under 300 K and we have a seller CTA at the bottom of it, which is want to know how much your kitchen is worth. So we actually, this is a technique we call bookending, which is the bottom of every article or piece of content you create should actually get someone to either click or convert. And oftentimes, Chris, they leave them with basically nothing to do, which is going to result in them. Yeah, but Jimmy, not even that. It's so relevant. Want to know how much your kitchen is worth. Mm -hmm. Like that you you can't just do a generic when the article's about kitchens. Yeah. Want to know how much yours is worth. We did the uh when we did the Game of Thrones one, Mm -hmm. it said, Doesn't your home deserve to be marketed like a castle? You know, like like the, the CTA has to be relevant, but yes, that's a perfect example of turning buyer traffic into seller leads. So the next campaign, Chris, seller angles is, this is something I think that no real estate agent has ever run or said or done in the history of real estate marketing. Talk me through this idea. Yeah, you know, if you meet a real estate agent and say, how's the market? Great, is now a good time to sell? Yes. I mean, it's just over and over. And we thought, you know what? Let's be the honest agent. Let's actually specifically point out reasons you should not sell. Like, because there are some, if you're mm-hmm. being a human, like scroll through this one for me a little bit, Jim. Like, how about uh, if your home is going to be worth a lot more next year than now and you don't need to sell? Yeah. What if you go to sell, but your credit sucks now and then you got to rent because you can't buy a new one? Keep going, Jimmy. I love these. What if, (laughs) this is a great one. What if the reason you're selling is because a realtor said it's great and he's your friend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like when you look at this, like I have to put a lot of money in or I don't want to start over in a new area. Like, listen, there are times when selling is a mistake. And so what this does is it kind of just like shakes people like, oh, that's interesting. I appreciate the honesty mm-hmm. and the reality is that that article, Jimmy, oh my God, because think about it. Would you read that or would you open an email about that if you weren't thinking about selling your home? Mm-hmm. There's no one that's going to read an article about if selling their home's a mistake that's not thinking about selling it. 
Yeah. And so what that does is that qualifies 100% of the visitors and it qualifies 100% of the people that open. Quick pro tip for our clients. If you're watching right now and you're a client, go to that link and put slash convert at the end of it mm -hmm. and thank me later. So there's two points that I want to just hit on that are worth sharing before we move on to the next tip here. Uh, one of the techniques we use is we try to join the conversation that is happening within the consumer's mind. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a really important one. Like you have to th like, this is a, a, a mantra. We have a curator, you know, when Chris and I were thinking about this, like some of the stuff is so natural to us that we don't even think about it when we're doing it. Cause we've been doing this for so long, but like we have a consumer first mindset, everything we say consumer first, we're trying to join the conversation that's happening within their head. But the mm -hmm. second point you just made there, Chris, which is you want to do marketing. You want to create marketing that actually tells you something about the people you're marketing to. So in the event that you create a campaign about something like selling your home, it tells you and it educates you some, about the person who's opening that, which mm -hmm. then empowers your sales team. Because someone looks at a listing, what do you know? They're looking at a listing. Hundreds of millions of people do that every month. When they open up content marketing specifically designed to be an angle for sellers, you mm -hmm. now learn something about that consumer that you can then use in the sales process. Guys, this is how the pros do it. And this is how we want you to start thinking about developing a marketing plan. So Chris, we got a few more to cover here with us and uh, yeah. keeping on the seller angle here. Uh, yeah. This is one well, that I, 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 this is the, I think this is a good example of like controlling the narrative. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is a conversation that's starting to happen. People mm -hmm. are starting to see ads for this. And yeah. like this is sort of the response to the narrative, if you will. Yeah, exactly. So there are companies in Seattle and Silicon Valley that want consumers to bypass an agent, whether mm -hmm. it's Redfin, Zillow, Open Door. It is a phenomenon that's happening. And it is very appealing. Like you might get a letter from Open Door. You might see an ad that says, hey, would you like to sell your house in zero showings, zero drama, zero stress? Well, that sounds good, Jimmy. But then read that review. I got fewer showings than any other house. I got well below my asking price. I would have sold it for way more if I used an agent. Keep going. Look, look at the open door ones. You know what I mean? All in all, the inspection was 12K. They made me spend 200 bucks to replace a light bulb. So th there are pros and cons to the Silicon Valley way. Mm -hmm. But the Silicon Valley companies ain't going to talk about the cons. Mm -hmm. They're only going to talk about the pros. So you're absolutely right. Are you going to fight back or are you going to just take it? Like go, go to the bottom review. The bottom review is my favorite one. I think it says like the only way you should use next door is if you are open doors, if you have to. Mm -hmm. My property was on the market for 90 days, six viewings. They listened to the feedback. 36 people came. I got three offers and sold my home. So like at the end of the day, these companies are putting messaging out there that's anti-realtor. So why aren't you going to put some messaging out there that's anti-snake oil? These companies are over-promising, Jimmy. They're low-ball offers. There's lack of communication. Mm -hmm. They don't actually buy 90% of the homes they say they will. Yeah, it's Because once the person says, I kind of need a full-price offer, like I don't have one of those we buy ugly houses. I have a real house. I ain't no fix and flip it. I want to get full asking price above market value, ideally. Yeah. Then that model's not for you. But right now, the way they're marketing it, Jimmy, 
is that everybody in the world's gonna click, click, sell. Well, let me click, just, yeah. buy. Yeah, let me just show this real quick, guys. You might have seen this. We've covered this in the past on the water cooler. This is an example of open doors ads. Sell your home directly to open door. Yes, really. You can start to see how much has your home value gone up. You can start seeing the, the campaigns that they're actually having here. And they're really specifically designed to like save up to $6,000 in fees, trading your home. Now you can like, it is basically designed Chris to make it sound like it's incredibly easy to sell your home without a real estate agent. And you can see guys, look, I'm not even, I'm not even like a quarter way down the page. Look how many ads they are running to attract sellers in your area. This is why Chris, you've been saying at the very beginning, like you have got to be marketing consistently. Cause guess what? These guys are, and there's an army of them coming from us, not to fear monger yep. here, but it's just the truth. Well, so, Jimmy, here's what's nice though about being the local guy the david and the goliath right mm -hmm. they have to spread their message everywhere mm -hmm. and you get to saturate your message in one place and so it's much more effective to be the local person doing it all day every day in orlando those open door ads are running in the whole country zillow's commercials running in the whole country the reality is that that messaging's out there it is. And so the, the, the one takeaway for me for this, for this post, Chris, this was not a real estate agent looking bitter and complaining. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. They're not experienced. All we're basically doing is saying, here's real feedback from real customers. You make the decision. And that's actually yep. what great marketing does. It doesn't mm -hmm. try to make the decision for the consumer. It presents the information in such a compelling way where the answer is obvious. And I think that's actually one of the, maybe the little judo tricks of marketing is like, you want them to come to the conclusion. You don't want that. You don't want to tell them what they should think. That's what great marketers do, Chris. Okay, so next up, Chris, we have uh, this one. I just want you to talk about, uh, yeah. this is the uh, CEO of Zillow selling their home. Yeah, well, you mentioned like, if things are coming up in the conversation with consumers, you need to join that conversation and fight back. Mm -hmm. So if there is one thing that has come up in the conversation with real estate agents over the last decade, it's estimates. Yeah. And they're all bitter and they're all mad and they all hate it and they all complain about it. But whether you do that or not, consumers love the Zestimate. And in many cases, sadly, they trust the Zestimate more than they trust you. Mm -hmm. Because the Zestimate don't get a commission. You do. Well, now they do, but they used to not. <laughs> so think about it, Jimmy. The CEO of, this was an article in the LA Times. You guys can look it up. The CEO of Zillow sold his home for 40% less than the Zestimate. So if they can't guess their own CEO's home correctly, mm -hmm. you probably can't guess yours either. And we did an email campaign with that. And we basically said, would you like a Zactimate? Because they're only giving out Zestimates. Mm -hmm. And we have MLS data. We will do a 15 page in-depth oh, report. There it is, is that GeekWire? This is GeekWire, yep. Yeah, they, they broke the whole thing down and it showed how inaccurate it was. And so like, this is, this is called show me, don't tell me. Mm -hmm. Because again, every realtor, they're gonna have this fight about this estimate. We actually did something about it. Third party validation. Look what this website said about this scenario. Not look how I feel about mm -hmm. what's happening. Yeah. And it worked great. Like I remember one of our clients, Nat Ferguson. And by the way, if you're a curator client, go to Brain and search for that email, it's in there. Mm -hmm hit star and you can use it. But the, 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 that email, Nat Ferguson's inbox 
was overloaded with CMA requests from his network mm -hmm. because he educated them. He didn't tell them that Zillow sucked. Yeah, it's a big idea. Now, ultimately, this is a good example, again, Chris, of basically using third-party validated services, uh, services basically to sort of point out that, like, this is this is accurate. It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of what you wrote in the conversion code about co-branding. Like, it's not you saying this. It's it's New York Times, it's LA Times, it's CNN, it's Fox News, whatever that might be. You're sort of yep. referencing a real source. Okay, so next up here, Chris, one of the things that we know, or one of the reasons why we know consumers hire real estate agents mm -hmm. isn't just because they're good at what they do and because they can help them achieve the results, but they also because they know the local area. That's actually sure. something that's a really important part of the customer journey. It's like you can be the right agent, but in the wrong market in the consumer's yeah. mind. So how do we combat that with like localized content marketing? Sure. Well, the cool thing, the Zillow angle is another one of those like, yeah, it's sellers, but it's interesting to everybody, mm -hmm. right? Like even if you're not selling your home right now, yeah. You're still hearing about open door right now. So it's interesting to everybody. But this one is about Instagram. Like, what are the most Instagrammable places in Roanoke, Virginia? And we did a really beautiful campaign. We embedded the most popular places from around Roanoke. And this was another one of those kind of proven ideas that a lot of uh, mainstream blogs and publications had done something comparable. I think we found one, Jimmy, that said the most instagrammed place in every state mm -hmm. so this is the this got a great click-through rate this is perfect past client and sphere this is modern co-branding because it's instagram and they look at the call to action hey homes are popular on instagram too and of course our clients do instagram marketing for their listings mm -hmm. so the the idea of being the digital mayor you know jay marks does foodie friday Dustin Oldfather does, here's what's happening this weekend in, mm -hmm. right? Those are all really good past client sphere of influence content ideas that you can tap into. The most Instagrammable places in XYZ. That one really blew up, Jimmy. Yeah, and the next one we have here, Chris, and this is just sort of along the same lines of like what you mentioned earlier, the Google Trends, which is taking advantage of what's happening right now as capturing mm -hmm. people's attention and then promoting that in that particular moment. Now, this is an evergreen, but this is something you can go back to the well on, you know, annually as an example. So if you can pull mm -hmm. this up for us, Eric, this is a Mother's Day campaign that we ran. And yeah. as you can see here, it's just, we're just simply talking about the fact that there's, you know, things happening that all families and ages and people would basically appreciate who are want to celebrate Mother's Day. Like mm -hmm. the, the funny thing about this, Chris, like these types of campaigns do exceptionally well when it's complemented by hard hitting, you know, yep. uh, content specifically about what you do. Like you mm -hmm. can't just do this. Otherwise they're going to associate you as like a travel guide. You've got to do the other stuff, but you've got to have this too. You've got to have yeah. that other stuff to market to your past clients sphere. Do you have anything else you want to add about this campaign? Not at all. Cool. All right. Last one for us here. And this is the, uh, and we mentioned Jay, uh, Jay Marks doing Foodie Friday, another example, sort of the same type of style here, the Game of Thrones one. I do want to end yeah. on this one because I think this one's yeah. a really strong one that we want to uh, highlight. Well, you, you have to, like I said, have some fun, like do some branding, like do some marketing where the only goal is a smile. Yeah. Do, do some marketing where the only goal is that was really clever right you need to do that so we did three game of thrones castles you've got to see and <laughs> yeah. then if you scroll down now listen i have to say right now they are only taking cash offers on the red key <laughs> there like there's no loans 
that are going to get approved for the red keep. But click through on that. You got to say spoiler alert before you say that. All right. I'm not giving spoiler alerts. If you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. That's not really a spoiler alert. But like we basically took a listing details page and we put a castle in it. And we treated it dining where the wine flows. <laughs> Church that will make your enemies green. Beautiful views of the city below. Nooks for secret meeting. <laughs> like we we really created an experience. You can click through to Dragonstone, click through to Winterfell. So we we created this experience mm-hmm. and it all connected together. We promoted it all over social, all through email. And it was just a home run. This is real marketing, my friends. This is branding. This is the stuff we all want to do. But you're absolutely right, Jimmy. You can't just do Mother's Day and Game of Thrones. No, you can't. But no, it's it's funny because I, as I read through this copy, it does make you laugh and sort of humanizes the brand. And it certainly yeah. takes And by a- the way, mad props to Steve, my brother, from our head of marketing. He did the copy. Yeah. He was on, if you guys missed our Game of Thrones episode last week, uh, go back to YouTube and iTunes. We did a whole show about Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, I got to go back and watch it. One of my favorite episodes. All right. So so we just gave you guys, actually, it's more than eight ideas, Chris, but eight ideas on marketing strategies that you can execute to promote and sell to buyers, sellers, past clients, sphere of influence. Chris talked through basically the entire strategy around how we think about the targeting, who we target, how we distribute it, how we think about angles. And we gave you some real examples of this. And what's so impressive about developing a marketing plan, Chris, we asked this poll question earlier, the vast majority of people don't blog you know, more than one time a month. Curator clients are gonna be blogging upwards of 45 to 50 times this year. And that sheer volume has an impact on the results of your marketing. You know, you mentioned the vicious cycle earlier. We're gonna talk about, you know, where we get these ideas in a second, but you mentioned the vicious cycle earlier. You know, if you're in the vicious cycle, if you can't market, sell, and service all at the same time. And I think a lot of people right now struggle with this, Chris. They don't, they, they can do one or two of those things. They can't do all three. So. Let's wrap it up here, Chris. It's great to be back on the water cooler. Thanks for carrying the torch for the last few weeks. It's been great watching the shows as a fan. And thanks, everyone, for the kind words, for everyone who reached out to me and all the love I've been getting. It's great to be back on the show and, and being interacting with you guys. And uh, I feel like the Ross is starting to shake off just a little bit. So yes. we are going to talk about the ideas because we talk about yeah. – you know, where we get these ideas. And I'm going to have you talk me through our sources. I mentioned earlier, like 95% of it doesn't come from real estate agents because you know what real estate agents do? They create marketing that's cheesy or as irrelevant or makes them invisible. We know this. So we look outside the industry. What are our sources of information when we think about great ideas? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you've got to find ideas for your plan. Mm -hmm. And we've given you guys a bunch and I hope we've kind of pushed you in the right direction, but those ideas will end. Jimmy, one of the things we've learned as content creators for a decade is it's really tempting to sandbag ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have a good idea and you don't want to use all your good ideas (laughs) because if you use all your good ideas, you're going to be out of ideas. Yeah. You have to use every good idea you got. (laughs) If you don't empty the tank, Mm -hmm. you don't have the pressure to fill it back up. So the, the first two places that you would look for good ideas, and this is just if you're already executing, is you look at your analytics. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the most popular articles you've ever written so far? Like, go to your social insights. One of the things we do, Jimmy, is we take the most popular tweets that you and I do, mm-hmm. and we turn those into Instagram posts that also do well. 
Yeah. So that would be an example of like using Twitter analytics to come up with a post for Instagram. Mm -hmm. But like another example is like we did an article uh, a while back called seven Facebook pages worth copying and it blew up. So instead of trying to come up with a different idea, we said, you know what, why don't we take that idea and do seven emails worth copying, mm -hmm. seven blogs worth copying. So your insights, your analytics, your, your sort of social data yeah. is a great place to find ideas. But the, the, the best place, we're going to give like five places. The best place is your brain. Like very few people meet and sit down and come up with a plan. Like we brainstorm every week. We brainstorm for hours every month. We also empower our entire employee base to drop ideas they have throughout the month into a channel we call the brain trust. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're going to show that or not, Jimmy. Yeah, I'll pull it up. Give me one second here. Chris. Yeah, but basically like we realize that some of the ideas come from clients. Some of them comes from our staff. Some of them come from my freaking wife. Like ideas are out there. So what's funny is like, it was like midnight one night and I don't know what time it was. And I just said, Game of Thrones castles as listing details pages. Mm -hmm. There there it is right there, the yellow one. What, what, what time was that? The, yeah, that was almost at midnight. Okay. <laughs> we, so, we never stopped thinking about marketing. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah. But like that little sentence, you yeah. guys can see it in yellow, that sentence turned into the campaign you guys just saw. Mm -hmm. So we have meetings that we call brainstorms, and then we have a channel that we call the brain trust. So what happens is when we sit down for the brainstorm, Jimmy, we're not starting from scratch. We've got all the ideas we've dumped in mm -hmm. throughout the week and month when we start, which helps a ton. Yeah, it 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 does. So you meant, and, and one more just to mention is Buzzsumo. We use Buzzsumo to sort of do some research on different articles as well. But yep. I think I think fundamentally, what's so important about what you said there is that even these like masterminds that we have, the Brain Trust meetings, mm -hmm. like it, by doing and this is something that uh, it's a principle at Curator that we actually have that's part of our culture code. It's called debate it then do it. I think not enough people are debating whether or not it's a good idea to market this plan this way. And we yep. actually have pretty long conversations about. Okay, is this a good idea? Okay, it's a pretty good idea. How can it be better? How can we try this angle? Like you, you've got to have that confidence on if, you, if you're doing this yourself to basically yeah. bounce ideas off of. Otherwise, well, it's a you're good do point because marketing. half the ideas, like Angela or Caitlin or somebody on our team, they will point us at an idea and we will not use their idea. Their idea will inspire the final idea we use. Mm -hmm. I hope that makes sense. But Jimmy, just do real quick. Pull up Buzz Sumo for me really quickly sure. because. This is such a powerful tool, buzzsumo.com. Mm -hmm. And just type in Boston, Jimmy. Let's, let's say we want to do some community local stuff. What this is showing you guys is in the last six months, what are the most viral articles on social media about Boston? Okay. Now, you guys are clearly the most political state of all time. So it's Elizabeth Warren. It's Trump, but what's what's there about craft? Don't craft worry about that. Trump. Right, do you see what I'm saying though? But yeah. like, I can't really read it because it's like far away from where I'm sitting. Yeah. Um, but it was this, something about craft and Trump. And but look on the things. right there, Jimmy, zoom in on the right where it says total shares, because mm -hmm. that's what people need to see. This is showing you like that article got a half a million engagements. Yeah. 
this article got 136,000 engagements. Yeah. Now, you can do more specific keyword searches. You could actually put in boston.com and you can see what are the most viral articles from a website. Mm -hmm. And then you can change the date range. So you can say this week, last week, this month, last month, right? So like you see the Julian Edelman surprise the seventh grader mm -hmm. for the Super Bowl ticket. Like there, there's there's places to find proven ideas so that you're not guessing. If you're not the most creative person and, and you don't have kind of that natural excitement for ideas that we do, yeah. Leverage BuzzSumo. It's a good idea. Good place. Yeah, I love it. So, guys, I, I hope you got an insane amount of value out of today's session. We're going to wrap up here. Chris, I'll have you take it to the, to the house. But we covered yeah. we covered who your plan should focus on, where you should execute your plan, how often should you create your plan, what you should actually create and post, and where you can find your best ideas. Marketing makes everything better. It's just that simple. The best businesses in the world, Chris, are great at marketing. Yeah, it's true. And it's funny because everybody's beating the technology drum, right? Mm -hmm. Like from what I can tell, agents are not leaving certain companies for better tech. They're leaving for better commission. You know what I'm saying? Like when you watch like some of the companies that are moving, mm -hmm. they're not just leaving for better tech. They're leaving for better math in many cases. And one of, you, one of the tweets that you did, Jimmy, that I thought was so perfect that sums this up, a CRM without great marketing is just a glorified phone book mm -hmm. like the technology and the platform yeah that's where you do the marketing through but if it were so easy why does everybody do such bad marketing so what we would love you guys to check out we've got a quick 60 second commercial that explains how you can hire us to do your marketing plan every week and every month for you what is your plan this week to grow your business through your marketing? If the answer is nothing, you're not alone. So my question for you is, what's your plan to fix it? Our plan is amazing. It's about quality and consistency. Our plan attracts business so that you don't have to chase it. Our plan helps you get more referrals, more leads, and more sellers contacting you to list their home. Our plan includes marketing for your Facebook page, Instagram posts and stories, Twitter, LinkedIn, blog posts, and email marketing. We even give you exactly what to say when you call to follow up with the lead. Our plan is handed to you every single week. Click, click, publish. Our plan is trackable and traceable, innovative and effective. And of course, Curator includes a website and landing pages and email marketing tools. But tools are not the answer to growth. If you have a budget and a team or you are a solo agent that is too busy to do your own marketing, we will do it for you and we will do it better than you would do it yourself. That's Curator, Jimmy. If you guys want to hire us, you can go to curator.com. You can go to curator.com slash WC, and that'll let us know that you were watching the water cooler. Cheers. You can catch the replay on YouTube and iTunes. We air every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Jimmy, it's great to have you back. What's your plan? We've got a great one, water cooler style. Cheers, everybody.